Sasha. And I'm Joe, and this is Beards for Radio. Yeah, we're just going to hop right into the recaps of last week's Michigan State versus the Bowling Green game uh, against the Falcons. The offense put up about 250 passing yards, three touchdowns, 215 rushing yards, one touchdown. Defense put about 57 tackles, a pick six, and a sack. Joe, let me know how you think your Spartans performed. Well, the game against Bowling Green definitely provided a starting point for a very young and inexperienced team. Um, the offense definitely got off to a slow start. Like Bowling Green led three to nothing at the end of the first quarter, which was a little disappointing. But the defense looked okay against a pretty below average max team in Bowling Green. They lined up to stop the run, and I think they did a pretty good job of that. And then their secondary performed adequately, but they were definitely the beneficiaries of overthrown and dropped pass. Obviously, the cool story was Tyson Smith, his first game back from uh, recovering from a stroke he suffered in November, and he got a pick six. I thought that was great. That almost rivaled uh, Amp Campbell in 1999 coming back from a broken neck a year earlier to score a game-winning touchdown against Oregon, the team who broke his neck again. Um, maybe not up to that level, but I thought it was a very special moment to be a part of. Overall, when the offense started rolling, they started spreading the ball around, just kind of accepted that the running game wasn't getting going. It really opened my eyes. I think Lewerke can develop into a big-time playmaker for Michigan State kind of along the lines of Bruce Stanton, led the team in rushing yards with 69 rushing yards, which you really don't want to see from a from a Big Ten team like Michigan State. You don't want to see the quarterback leading the team in rushing. Only 215 rushing yards against, you know, not just the MAC team, but one of the low MAC teams from 2016. And there were some issues holding onto the ball. There were three fumbles, two of which they lost, both from L.J. Scott. On the opening drive, he fumbled on the goal line, which led to three points for Bowling Green. Pretty early in the fourth quarter, fumbled again, which was turned for a touchdown. So really, all ten of Bowling Green's points came off of turnovers from Michigan State, which was a little disappointing. And then Lewerke also had a fumbled snap, but he recovered that pretty quickly. Um, but the opener against Bowling Green definitely provided a starting point. Like, you could see the makings of what the team could be. Definitely more exciting than 2016. Hopefully better. I don't see how they could have gotten much worse. I don't think they did get worse. So when the offense started to pick it up at the end of the second quarter and they started to spread the ball around with Lewerke, I think he completed passes to 10 different wide receivers. It really provided a a look into what Michigan State could develop into. I think Lewerke has the tools to be kind of a Drew Stanton type. He has scramble ability that Tyler O'Connor definitely didn't have. Connor Cook had, but wasn't really willing to he wasn't really willing to go out of the pocket as often as Lewerke was and when he started throwing the ball around getting confident in the offense he I think he showed that he could lead Michigan State to a pretty good season and it set up a what would be an interesting matchup in week two against Western Michigan in week one Western Michigan coming off of a 13-1 season and a Cotton Bowl appearance against Wisconsin traveled to Los Angeles to take on USC who was number four in the country and they were coming off a Rose Bowl victory. Uh, I think the game was tied at like 28 with five or six minutes left in the game. Western did end up losing 49-31, to 31, but they showed that they're still here even without P.J. Fleck, even without Corey Davis. So I thought Western would definitely provide a much bigger test for the Spartans than Bowling Green did. I was definitely impressed by the Spartans week two. Like week one, I was like, okay, I, I got to see the team. 
But week two, I really started to get more impressed. They definitely took a big step. It's interesting you talk about P.J. Fleck, Minnesota. They won big against Oregon State 48-14. And you're right. You figure that that P.J. Fleck, you know, row, row, row the boat, set them in motion to put up a little better than they did. I think it was closer than it looked because it was special right. teams and it was a, a, a random fumble recovery for a 68-yard. You know, if you don't get those, it's a 28 nothing game. So I got to yeah. give it up to Michigan State for doing that. You know, de- defense hit about 72 tackles, four sacks, that one interception. I like their defense, but, like, it's Western. So but I, I really want right. to start doing in-conference. But they're looking good. It's really promising from what we were talking about where they're going to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, if Western Michigan didn't have Darius Phillips, it would have been a 28 nothing game. But, yeah, for the second straight game, the offense pretty much – or not the offense, Michigan State's defense for the second straight week pretty much pitched a shutout. Like, it won't show up as a shutout, but the defense uh, forced four sacks, which gives them five on the season. They only had 11 sacks in 2016. So two games into the season, they're almost halfway to matching their total sack output for 2016, which is honestly a breath of fresh air. They had eight tackles for loss. Held Western Michigan, yeah, they got a new quarterback. Zach Terrell is gone. They don't have Corey Davis anymore. But they still have three good running backs in Jarvie and Franklin, uh, Damari Bogan, and um, one other guy. I'm blanking on his name. But three returning running backs who are, are all very talented. And Michigan State's defense surprisingly held them to only 116 rushing yards, held Western to 79 passing yards. So they kept them under 200 total yards on offense, which I was very impressed with. Because like I said, Western put up 31 on a USC team that just beat Stanford 42-24 to on this past Saturday. And then had an interception on the opening drive. And I really like the kid who intercepted the pass, Josiah Scott. True freshman, has played two games, hasn't really given up much to two Mac passing attacks. Mac passing attacks, say that five times fast. I think he has the makings of someone who could be an elite corner. I'm not saying, like, right now he'll step in and be an elite corner, but he definitely has the makings, and early on he's showing that Mark D'Antonio and Harlan Barnett's confidence in him was definitely warranted. And then the offense also stepped it up in some areas against Western Michigan. It was definitely more balanced. Michigan State had three players with over 70 rushing yards. L.J. Scott had 86 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, also caught a touchdown pass. So it was nice to see him recover from fumbling the ball twice in the opener. Brian Lewerke had 81 rushing yards and a 61-yard touchdown run, which was just fantastic to see. I don't think I've ever seen a Michigan State quarterback run like that, and that was great. And then Darrell Stewart Jr. had 70 rushing yards. The team as a total rushed for 296 yards. So almost 300, which I thought was a far cry from the 160 they put up against Bowling Green. And they had six players catch passes, led by Felton Davis, who had four catches for 69 yards. He's definitely taking a step up in his junior season to this point after having a pretty disappointing sophomore year in 2016. And then Brian Lewerke didn't have as many passing yards. He finished with 161 yards, a touchdown on a pick, which, again, he threw to Darius Phillips. Like, that kid, that kid's going to be playing on Sunday, the Western Michigan kid. He had a, just yesterday, he had a pick. He forced a fumble, picked it up, and ran it 60, I think 68 yards to the end zone, and then returned a kick for a touchdown. Just an insane athlete. I don't know how he, P.J. Fleck really found a 
stud right there. Right. So through two games, I've been mildly impressed with the young defense to this point, and I'm glad that I saw the team as a whole show improvement from week one to week two. But there's still a lot of things to improve on. Kickoff coverage has been pretty below average. They've, they've really got to hang on to the ball. Four turnovers in two games, and they've only forced two turnovers. You know, the competition's going to get better. You're going to play Notre Dame in two weeks. You're going to play Iowa after that, then Michigan, then Minnesota. It's only going to get more difficult from here. So you got to hang on to the ball. You can't be – I think they fumbled four times in the last two games. No, five times in the last two games. You're averaging over two fumbles a game in your opener. Yes, you're a young team, but you got to clean that up. And the offense needs to be more consistent. They have big playability, but they haven't really put up too many consecutive scoring drives. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I think they got a future star in corner with Josiah Scott. But the secondary, aside from Scott, has been pretty suspect to this point. Definitely the beneficiaries of overthrown and dropped passes to this point in the season. Right now, you know, Michigan State used to have the no-fly zone with Darquez Denard, Isaiah Lewis, Trey Waynes. Well, I've coined this group as the no-flag zone because every time there's an incomplete pass, I'm just holding my breath, hoping that there wasn't a flag for interference. So two games into the season, Michigan State's about where I expected them to be, maybe a little bit more because they did pretty thoroughly beat a good Western team that I thought would give them more fits than they did. But definitely room for improvement. Um, so I'll just kick it over to you so we can talk about Michigan's first two games. Defense has been very impressive. I think they've scored four times now in two weeks. Yeah, defense is looking, you know, totally impressive to me. I got to give it up to Don Brown because his his schemes are like, it's crazy. His schemes are like uh, defensive NFL schemes. What I like to call show and go, it's like they show you something, right? And you're thinking it's mm. this, man. It's not going to end up like it is. He gives these players options which i love you know and it get to get these guys thinking for the next level because to me you know college is not all about the next level so i think don brown is getting these guys prepared not only are they getting these guys prepared for the next level they're starting this mindset when these next guys come in they get to get thrown into this scheme because you want to make it to the top you want to make it to the next level you're going to have to know how to run these schemes so i think don brown has done an excellent job of doing that. I think, though, Michigan starts off strong. Wilton Spate did the same thing he did against Gators. He, he throws this beautiful strike, gorgeous strike to Tariq Black. Touchdown. Goes waving his finger down the field, this and that in the third. But when he comes back down, you know, he starts getting into this too lax of a mode. I want to say it's kind of like your boy Jay Cutler down in Miami. <laughs> he's getting this mode where, you know, your nose is up in the air, and he's holding the football yeah. like it's a teacup with his pinky out. You threw one strike. You stay on course, man. I think he gets too laxed. I, I think Wilton Spade right. has all the mechanics, but I think he gets too laxed. And I think Jim Harbaugh is warranted with saying, well, I don't know who my starter is. Because at this point, I'm not seeing any confidence in Jim Harbaugh having any confidence in Spade having any confidence in his playing ability on the field to lead that offense. I see spurts of it. But I need to see more of it. You are the quarterback. You are the, the point guard. You're the one who runs that team. You're the engine. You're the driver. So Jim Harbaugh starts drilling it into this guy's head because he has all the tangibles. I just don't know why he's overshooting guys, how he's too much touch on the ball. He should be having more yards than he's had. I think he gets into a bit of a funk, and sometimes it's hard for him to get out of it. Like, you see one bad drive become two, become three. Like, maybe he lets his mistakes kind of stick around in his head, whereas when you're a quarterback, you really got to let that go. I think he did a good job of letting it go in the second half against Florida. Uh, but what I saw yesterday was just stagnant offense until until the fourth quarter when it's like, thank goodness the defense kept him out for that long 
for the offense to just be like, oh, I guess we got to score now, and that's what they did. Oh, yeah, and, like, it was the same thing this game. He hit uh, Crawford on a long bomb and then got laxed, and the defense did the same thing on the pick six. They get this pick six, and then they got lax, and then you got Denbrock's calling all these, you know, those tunnel screens to Boone, and Boone's taking it outside, and the other, I can't think of the other uh, little back that was with Boone, he was just hitting them right in the soft spots of the zone. He would hit them with those little screens, the little, little outs, the little ins, and little slants, and he was, they were getting them, and Hats off to, like I said, Don Brown, because even though they were trying to get in those little slots, the quarterback was so agitated in the pocket that he couldn't get that wide receiver that's just in the soft area. And if he gets it, you know, it's like open field tackle, and your safety has to come up. Coming from having 11 yards rushing against for the Gators, Mm -hmm. you know, and then coming here, you know, having Boone, you know, almost get 100 all-purpose yards, it doesn't sit well with me because even though Florida's running back was out, it's Florida. They're an SEC. They're an SEC team. Yeah. Their running backs should have showed out, and we showed out against the running backs. We got hats on the ball like we didn't do last year. I like like there's more hats on the ball. All in all, I, I, I was I was uh, I was impressed with Michigan. Definitely impressed with the defense. I think a more talented and mentally strong team than Cincinnati would have either won that game or would have brought it down to the wire. Um, Yes. Because Cincinnati, I was kind of losing my mind over how they handled, how Luke Fickle handled the team at the end of the first half when they should have been kicking a field goal from about a 46-yard distance. They had no timeouts, nine seconds on the clock, and they took a delay of game penalty because they didn't know what they were doing. Like, I was, I was losing my mind because they, they could have been tied midway through the third quarter as opposed to being down 17-14. And at that point, it's a different game. Like, I know right. the air kind of sucked out of the stadium anyways. Um, it's early. I definitely think Michigan had a – you see it all the time in college football. I think they had an emotional letdown because they prepared all summer for Florida. Their minds were on Florida. They were laser-focused in. I don't want to say Jim Harbaugh didn't prepare them because he doesn't seem like the type of guy to just overlook somebody and has emotionally prepared to take on a Cincinnati team. You know, they got off to that fast start. It was 17-7. to Maybe they just kind of thought they had it in the bag and sleptwalked through a quarter and a half is my take maybe. Yeah, kind of slept off the quarter and a half. And then when they got to the second half, um, I think Wilton Spate recovered pretty good with that little strike to Perry, and Perry took it up the middle. I don't know why Perry hesitated for a second. I thought he was going to be a hit. It's like, go, bro, go. You know, there's the end zone. Go, yeah. man. Isaac was a stud. The dude, dude had, like, what, 136 yards? 136 yards, you know. They had 200 yeah. total uh, rushing yards. Wilton Spate had 221 yards and two touchdowns, and that's crazy to me because he didn't look good enough to throw 221 yards and two touchdowns, but he did. So I know the tangibles are there. He just needs to stay, like you said, how they were laser-focused on Florida. He needs to stay like that all four quarters because there's no let-up, man, because, you know, there's always going to be a Cinderella team. There's always going to be a dark horse team that's going to aim to take you down, man, because people hate Michigan. Newsflash. You know, people hate State. People hate your college, so people are going to yeah. aim to take you down. So I think he recovered nicely. Like I said, Ty Isaac, he ran his butt off. I'm kind of bummed he didn't get a touchdown. The way he's running, he's been a workhorse. But Pep Hamilton has to take fade aside, shake him up, and be like, listen, this is your team. 
you need to step up. So I think that's what they need to do. They need to shake up Spade a little bit. I think they need to stick to their defensive schemes, and I think they'll be good. Yeah, Spade really needs to put together a whole game. Because if he, if he continues on this course where he'll, he'll have a strong series, but then three kind of lackadaisical series, you know, let himself get into that funk. If he continues to do that, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say Michigan State could come in and upset them in the big house. I'm not saying that is going to happen, but if State doesn't put it all together, I think the likely the likelihood of Michigan State scoring an upset in Ann Arbor takes a big leap. It was a pretty, um, I don't know, telling tale about what Spate needs to do. And I don't want to put it on one player, but he is the link to that team. He really is. And if he does not throw well, I don't know who else they could put in there. I don't think there's a quarterback aside from Spate on this roster that can do it for Michigan. Because I just, I don't think John O'Corn has the talent. I think he's good. I don't think he's good enough. And then Dylan McCaffrey and Brandon Peters, they just don't, they just don't have the game experience. Spate has 15 games of starting experience now. So you got you to gotta see more from him at this point. We're probably going to see more from him next Saturday, September 16th, uh, face-off against Air Force at noon. Michigan State plays Notre Dame, but they have a bye week. They play them on September 23rd. That's at 8 p.m. It's a night game. If you're worried about not having any kind of football, don't worry, man. NFL is here. It's been here. Thursday was the Chiefs and New England game, and we all know that if you don't have football, <laughs> at least you have what comes with football. The entitled, drunk, moronic fans. We're going to play a little clip coming up let you guys hear it. The link is in our SoundCloud description. You guys can click on it and actually watch the video. It's, it's just quite hilarious. But, yeah, this is like the stands are emptied at this point. There's no Patriot fans left pretty much except for this guy after the amazing loss they suffered to the Chiefs. I was so happy about that, letting my bias show a little bit. But I found this video of the Patriots fan, found it on a Dolphins Facebook page that I follow and just thought it was so applicable to what we've been talking about on here. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and play that for you guys right now. Um, like I said, the link is in our description on our SoundCloud. So go ahead and click on that. Check it out. It's pretty entertaining. His shirt is this killer too, man. He has a, a Roger Goodell <laughs> shirt with a, the clown nose on it. And then it's just coupled with him being drunk and then, and then shouting, telling everybody to, to shut up and having this childlike meltdown. Definitely not safe for work. A uh, lot of language in that one. Yeah, do not play this at work, but uh, here it is right here, guys. All right, I'm fucking so happy getting the fuck out of here because tomorrow, everyone who's staying in Boston tonight is going to be here, and Tom Brady this, Tom Brady fucking that. I mean, all the Chiefs fans here being like, oh, we're the best, we're the best. Do you, do you want to come back in January? Do you want to come back here in January? Because you're going to have to. If Alex, if Alex does that again... If Alex does, he did it for the first time in his career tonight. Over 300 yards for the first time in his fucking career. Tonight, you want to come back here. If you want to come back here, you guys are maniacs. You're maniacs. Tom Brady, I don't want to hear the hot takes tomorrow because you're going to be him. You're all going to fucking hear him. Hot takes, Tom Brady. He's not too good anymore. You're going to get the Trent Dilfer. You're going to get the, the Patriots. They're just not good anymore. It's fucking nonsense you're going to hear. You're all going to have He's 40 years old. He's a goddamn, he's a goddamn specimen. He's a goddamn specimen.
goddamn specimen. He doesn't eat tomatoes. Do you eat tomatoes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Enjoy your heirlooms while Tom Brady's going to be just fucking fine. He's going to be just fine. No one eats tomatoes. Go, brother. Go, brother. No eats tomatoes. He's going to be fine. All right. He's going to be just fucking fine. He lost Julian Edelman. He lost Malcolm Mitchell. He lost Danny Amendola in the third quarter. He's a guy. He's a guy. You lost. Shut up. You all shut up. You don't want to come back here in January. None of you do. No one wants to come back here in January. I'm not scared yet. I'm not scared. You're going to hear it. You'll hear it on, that, on the, hot, the Hot Take Hotline tomorrow. You'll hear it. Tom Brady. Brady's got to retire, put in Garoppolo, trade him. I want Tom Brady forever. Apparently he doesn't eat tomatoes. I guess that's good. Apparently he does not eat tomatoes. So with that, we will start the Hot Take Hotline. Sasha and I will ask each other 21 rapid-fire questions, most of it about sports, some other topics, comic books, movies, what have you. And how we'll do it is I'll ask questions, Sasha will answer, Sasha will ask me a question, and I will answer, and we'll just go until we got our questions out of the way. Mine is pretty related to the video we just listened to or watched. Um, it's father time catching up to Tom Brady. Yes, I think you're going to start to see a decline in Tom Brady, heirloom tomatoes or not. Will <laughs> Roger Goodell have a job next year? He will because he makes the NFL owners too much money. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. True or false, the Patriots will not lose again this season. False. I believe they will lose again this season. I really hope so. Where do your Miami Dolphins end up this season? The Miami Dolphins end up 11-5, and five, I'm going to say, giving them a little bit of love. Speaking of the Dolphins, Hurricane Irma forced the Miami-Tampa Bay game to be pushed back to week 11, making both teams play 16 straight weeks of football. Did the NFL screw this process up? Because there were so many empty stadiums this week that could have been played in. They absolutely screwed it up. Move inland. Play at a high school if you have to. It's the same measurements. If you could meet anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Ooh. I've had two people on this list for me. This is a great question, Sasha. One would be Tom Izzo, the head basketball coach of Michigan State, because he is Michigan State basketball. He has done so much for Michigan State's university, not just as a basketball coach, but as a person. I think he's donated so many millions of dollars, and he's done it the right way. When his career is over and you talk about all of his accolades, it's going to stand. None of that is going to be taken away because he's done things the exact right way. But I have met him. I met him when I was 12. I got his autograph. But that was a very brief meeting. Um, so I would love to meet him again as an adult. And um, the other person who was tied with Tom Izzo would be Brandon Flowers, the lead singer of The Killers, my favorite band since I was eight. When I wanted to be a singer, he nice. definitely inspired me. I just love his lyrics, love his voice. Can't wait to see them again in January. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you that question, Sasha. If you could meet any person in the world, celebrity, whatever, who would it be? Man, like, I didn't... Joe, you fired my question back at me. I should have been like, you know, tag, don't tag back. A lot of my people that I look up to are pretty much dead. So if I could raise somebody up from the dead and meet them one time, it would have to be Bruce Lee. I love his mantra. I love the way the dude is. I just think that he went way too young and he was just way too far ahead of his time. And he taught humanity to everybody. That's what the message that I like out of him. I'm going to ask you this question, Joe. Do you have any phobias? Uh, well, I'm definitely scared of heights. 
I love roller coasters, but heights, ooh, I cannot do it. I've always been scared of alligators, alligators and crocodiles, man. Also the ocean. Like some people like taking cruises where the bottom of the floor of the ship is glass. You can look down into the ocean, see all the fish, all the beautiful water and all that. Ugh, I could not do that. That scares me way too much. I'm an oceanophobic. Joe, those are my two biggest things. I'm, I'm scared of the ocean and I'm scared of the heights, but I love roller coasters. I love I don't know what it is, but like heights, you get me up on a ladder like te- like five feet above the air, I'm not I'm not gonna be good. Like I'm gonna be shaking. You get me on a roller coaster, like the dragster, 400 feet, going 200 miles an hour, loving it, having the time of my life. Which Big Ten team impressed you the most from this past weekend? I'm gonna go with my Michigan Wolverines because hey, I'm a Michigan slappy. I would have to go with Iowa. Look at that shootout at their rival, Iowa State. I think they were down by 10 pretty late in the fourth quarter, came back and won an OT. I was pretty impressed by that. I'm going to ask you this question, Joe, and this question is serious. Did Greedo shoot first? Absolutely not. Han shot first. That's who he is. Like, they wanted to clean it up. They wanted to reverse it. Like, George Lucas thought he was making Han Solo more likable by being shot at first. No, he's not, he's not a great person, That's but we love him anyways. That's what he is. Han shot first. Han shot first, but he's still the man, and he shouldn't have been gutted by Kylo Ren. Everything happens for a reason, man. <laughs> what is the best sketch comedy show out there? Oh, I'd have to go SNL. SNL is, is still the greatest. I, I personally love watching Jimmy Fallon SNLs because Jimmy Fallon, oh. like, he loses in every single sketch. <laughs> or skit and he has to like go in the back because he's laughing so hard I'm laughing just thinking about like uh, cowbell more cowbell and then like that's funny in itself because it's Christopher Walken and he's coming here it's like I need a more cowbell that's my Christopher Walken impression but Jimmy Fallon is just dying the whole time what is the best Star Wars movie? oh the best Star Wars movie is definitely The Empire Strikes Back episode 5 Loved it since I was a kid. Probably the most iconic line, not only in Star Wars history, but in movie history. No, Luke, I am your father. Just effing classic. With Ohio State losing at home to Oklahoma this past Saturday night, is the Big Ten currently out of the college football playoff picture? It is for Ohio State, hopefully, but um, Michigan is still in the hunt. So I'm going to say no. I'm in Michigan sidecar, and we're going to war, baby. All right. You don't think Ohio State losing pretty embarrassingly doesn't really, like, weaken the Big Ten in the committee's eyes? As long as Michigan's the strongest in the Big Ten and the strongest in the country, I really could care about the rest. That's fair. People always ask me, like, don't you want to see the Big Ten succeed? No. I want to see one Big Ten succeed. The rest can suck it. Best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and why? My favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is Raphael. I've always just kind of connected to his rage, but passionate ways. I definitely went, my whole family is a Michelangelo, I live in a Michelangelo family, so I I had a very short Michelangelo phase. I had a Donatello phase when I was a kid, but started out as a Raph, Raph lover. I will die as a Raph lover, but I've gone through phases for all of them except Leonardo. I agree. Leonardo is my least favorite. Raph's my first. I'm with you on that one. I like how you said that. 
I can identify with his passionate rage because it comes from a good place, but sometimes people don't hear it unless you get that rage in you. And then they're like, oh, well, why don't you just say it? Well, I did. You just didn't listen to me. Yeah. Something I definitely connect with as a kid who had anger problems, uh, for sure, to, uh, adult, to uh, adult pretty much an adult who, um, <laughs> yeah, to an adult who's punched a few walls in his day. I def- <laughs> I've definitely connected with Raphael the most. I don't know if you've watched the latest two from Michael Bay, but if you have, what did you think about those movies? I enjoyed them. I would have liked them better because my favorite... A Ninja Turtle movie was the first one, you know, when they're they were actually in the suits. I enjoyed that. Oh, for sure. I I get it. I get it. Nowadays, everything CGI, and you got to keep up with the Avengers. You know, it's you can't keep up with Joneses no more. You got to keep up with the Avengersers. So I get it. They had real actors, and they had those little like motion capture bubbles all over them when they were actually doing it so it kind of made it somewhat relative and you couldn't have a scene like Raphael smashing the Humvee with the shell so I get it I understand it because in a sense people want it to be real but you got to realize it's a comic book it was a yeah. novel, it was a comic book, it was a cartoon. You don't, you know, bringing it to life doesn't actually mean you, oh, I'm going to put a guy in a suit and he's going to do flips and kick a bunch of foot soldiers. No, you can do CGI, yeah. it's cool. I enjoyed him tremendously because I think he followed him more towards the 90s cartoon, which to me, I grew up watching. I would run yeah. home and eat the Ninja Turtle cereal, which which was actually just Lucky Charms. It tasted just, it just <laughs> like Lucky Charms. Ninja Turtle cereal. Google it, but it's kind of funny. I used to, I used to eat that. I, I wouldn't oh, I eat it in the morning. I'd eat it while I was watching Ninja Turtles. They definitely did a great job of capturing like the essence of what the turtles are supposed to be. Once you get over how they look, because they just look so weird. Like it wouldn't have been hard to just make them look like the Ninja Turtles of old, but they're like these buff, hulking dudes. They got uh, these weird faces, and they're wearing necklaces and stuff. Once you can get over how they look, I think the movies were pretty well done. So back to um, Ninja Turtles. I think you. I think I answered this. Mine's Leonardo, but who's your least favorite? Definitely Leonardo. Yeah, I don't know if it's something about just like sticking it to the man because he's always been like the goody goody, like the quote unquote leader. But I've never really gone through a Leonardo phase. Is Wilton Spate the only thing holding back Michigan at this point? Absolutely. He's a missing link. I said it before. I don't need to elaborate further. Joe, what is your spirit animal? Never really been one to believe in spirit animals, but I've always admired ostriches. So I will say the ostrich is my spirit animal. Or Tom Izzo. I've always believed that Tom Izzo is my spirit animal. I would always say my spirit animal is Bill Bixby's spirit animal. Who is your favorite athlete slash celebrity endorser? Like when you see their commercials come on, you get excited. Oh, Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal has the best commercials, those bull commercials, and then everybody's thinking of and messing them up, morphing his face. He's the best. Shaq's the best. Uh, he's the I best celebrity athlete endorser there ever will be. Absolutely. Peyton Manning just went on a great commercial stretch from like 06 to 08. Like, you can look up his commercial montages. Hilarious. I loved him. Agreed. That's probably why I like Peyton Manning so much right now. Skinny Peyton Manning, his, uh, his socks are falling <laughs> off his leg. Uh, that's a good one. Who do you know that closely resembles a cartoon character, and why? 
<laughs> Who do I know that mostly resembles a cartoon character? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't want to say this kid from our class. I won't say his name. <laughs> you're saying it. Because he, cause he reminds <laughs> that That's who popped in my head when I was thinking of this question. He kind of reminds me of Doug Funny. <laughs> Would Rutgers even be competitive in the MAC? And side note, which MAC team would you like to see replace Rutgers in the Big Ten? Western. Western. Think Rutgers would even be competitive in the MAC? Yeah, I think they'd be competitive in the MAC. But I think they lose too many of their players to like the Big Ten. If you could rid the world of one thing, what would that thing be? Mmm, mosquitoes. That's a good one, mosquitoes. <laughs> or veganism. Yeah, veganism's rampant. Is it possible to even make a good Superman movie? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think the first one was pretty good, but you know, that, that was original. That's like that's kind of like you know the same kind of nostalgia you get when you see Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. I think there can be a good way to make a Superman movie, but the market's so saturated with Superman. And like he can do everything. It's like how's he gonna, how's he gonna lose? Oh, they're gonna force feed him kryptonite. Yeah. You know, it's like he can't lose. No, you know, just take, no him the, take him to the sun to recharge. He's fine. Yeah, there's no excitement. You know what's gonna happen. You know what's going to happen. That's why when like Logan came out, Logan dies. <laughs> He's dying. Yeah. You know, Professor X dies. You know, people are like, oh my god. You know, I, I think that's great. I think it's wonderful because you have to have that sense of humanity in a superhero because to me it makes it more relatable. That's why, you know, yeah. we say we like the DC villains better because they're more relatable. People actually go through that mm -hmm. Joker rage, and, you know, they feel like they're <laughs> going crazy, laughing crazy, you know. People can relate to that. I don't think anybody can really relate to Superman. He's just, like, too perfect. No. You know, and, like, I don't have that little curl. You know, I'm not perfect. So <laughs> it, it, it's cool as a kid to see, oh, Superman, but, like, I think it gets – as you get older, it just like wears on you. So I think there is a way to do it, but it's it's not for me. If there was a zombie apocalypse, what would your weapon be? I would choose a sword, much like the sword that Michonne has, because you can defend yourself in a close distance, silent, not going to make a lot of noise, kind of like a bow and arrow, but with a bow and arrow, you can run out of arrows. You can't run out of a sword. Maybe it takes more energy, but I think it's the safest for you, and you can definitely protect yourself in the most effective way, close distance. I would want to have an AK-47 with a two-foot bayonet on the end of it. All sports considered, so NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, it's time to talk shit now. Which broadcast commentator is the most difficult to hear call a game? That's easy, Joe Buck. I can't stand him. I cannot stand yeah. Joe Buck because he's so biased. If he's if he's broadcasting a team that he loves, or if he's broadcasting a team that he can't stand, he'll just jump on other teams' bandwagon. You know it. Like almost every Detroit team yeah. bags every Detroit team. I just can't stand him because he's just this little twerp like Skip Bayless. It's like I know what I'm talking about because I've yeah. been around for 50 years and I've talked to guys that, who've done this. Well, that's great, bro. Wonderful. And you sit there and you talk trash about these guys who are actually doing it. So uh, those those two are close, neck and neck. I'd have to say Dan Dockage, uh, college basketball quote unquote analyst for ESPN. Oh, uh, simply put, simply put, when Dan Dockage is calling a game, I put it on mute. 
Damn. What movie would be greatly improved if it were turned into a musical? Batman versus Superman, because it can't get any worse. You're right. I, even though I love this movie, it can't be improved, but I think Beetlejuice would be a cool musical. <laughs> a lot of visuals, yeah. a lot of visuals but you know Tim Burton. I would get, like, Neil Patrick Harris to play either Batman or Superman. I think that would vastly improve the movie. I saw that the NCAA is considering letting college players transfer anywhere they want and not have to set out that mandatory year. Would this rule be more beneficial or hurtful to college sports? I think it would be more beneficial because a lot of these players, they just push them through because, you know, it's the meat grinder, man. It's the, you know, we need bodies for the team. And if and yeah. if these players have an opportunity to go somewhere and play right away and escape what they don't like, like an Indiana situation where the kids are like, dude, I, I, I don't want to play here no more. I'm not, I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. You know, they can go yeah. play somewhere else right away. So I think it behooves the student more than it behooves the universities, but sometimes it needs to behoove the students more than the universities. So I'm for it. Yeah, they, they do have like hardship waivers, stuff like that, where occasionally a kid gets to play right away. I think it could have some hurtful aspects because kids could just be like, well, I didn't get that much playing time my freshman year, even though there's like a senior ahead of me, so I'm gone. It should be like a one-time rule. That's it. Yeah, like... You can only do it one time. All right, Joe, have you ever been arrested? I have not. I've been pulled over once uh, for speeding. What do you want to see happen to the Marvel Cinematic Universe after the final Avengers movie. Like, where do you, where do you want them to go from there? Um, home. Is that horrible to say? It's almost like they get to the point where it's like, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep watching these movies every single year. They come up with a new movie, new movie, new movie. I think they need to be done with the Avengers. I think they just need to cameo the Avengers here and there, but I think they need to branch off and do other things. Like, I know that they're trying to pass the torch off for Iron Man. They're trying to pass the torch off for Spider-Man. I think once it's over with, I think they need to stick with Guardians of the Galaxy because I really love the way those movies are written yeah. and the, how to get how the characters are in their relationship. I think they should move on to these new characters and these new heroes and these new villains. And I think a lot of fans need to come to that realization that these actors can't play these parts forever. I got one for you, Joe. Would sex with Superman kill Lois Lane? Ah, absolutely. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think she could hold his baby and then it'd be like a shotgun through her back or something. I don't know. I don't, you, you, get, you get my point. If you could bring one Walking Dead character who has died back into the current upcoming season eight, who would you pick and why? Absolutely, because I've liked this actor since Cliffhanger, the movie with Sylvester Sloan. He had a line in it where he kicked the English dude off the cliff and he said, welcome to foot ball and he kicked the guy in the balls, knocked him off the cliff. And I used to say that when we played football in high school, Michael Rooker, I would bring back Merle. Mm -hmm. I think Merle would be such an awesome addition to what's going on right now. I can I couldn't even imagine Merle being with Negan right now. And then Daryl on the other side with his mentality. There were so many great so many great one liners dropped between like Merle's character and Negan. And Michael Rooker is such a great actor too. He really played that yeah. part well. I love Michael Rooker. Um, he's, he's great as Yadu, too, in Gardens of the Galaxy. Do you like the smell of gasoline? I don't like it on my hands. Like, sometimes you forget to wash your hands after you fill up your gas tank, and it's like taking a bite out of a sandwich, and you just, like, smell it right up in your face. But there are worse smells out there. There's worse smells out there. 
Right. I had a friend who would uh, fill up his gas tank and just put a little drip on the bottom of his shoe, and, like the tip of his <laughs> shoe, just so he can smell it. I'm like, yeah, you're freaking weird, but whatever. <laughs> haven't heard anything like that before. Do you think Seth MacFarlane is making too many TV shows now? No, I don't think he can get enough of Seth MacFarlane. I think Seth MacFarlane has a, such a range of talent from his voiceovers to his singing to his directing, you know, to his acting, um, producing. I think that guy is a wealth of talent. And when you have a wealth of talent, when you have all that, you can't just leave it focused on one thing. And I, by all means, if that man has the energy, the time, you know, the gumption to go do it, Go ahead, brother. I'm not knocking this hustle. Yeah. Okay. Joe, what do you want written on your tombstone? What do I want written on my tombstone? Well, first of all, I don't want to be buried in a suit. Like, that's just such a waste of money, waste of a suit. Like, <laughs> take, one of the, take one of my jerseys out of my closet. You know, give it, bury me in my Gary Harris or my Connor Cook jersey, first of all. Damn. On my tombstone, I don't know, something good but honest. Like, don't don't say I was the best or, like, loving father. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to be a loving father, but, like, hopefully something out of the blue. I'll have to entrust a creative mind to writing my tombstone. Okay, Sasha, what is the best comfort food? Best comfort food is fried chicken. Absolutely. Mm, fried chicken with, with some hot sauce. Mac and cheese. I love me some mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese is good. I think mac and cheese, fried chicken... And mashed potatoes and gravy is like on one plate. It's like, yep, yeah, mm. leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm going to eat this. That's why people like KFC so much. Right. I'm going to eat this and then take a fat nap. And I can't stand KFC. It's all about Popeyes, baby. Mm. I don't even go to KFC. <laughs> all about Taco Bell. All right, Joe. From an un, from maybe a biased standpoint, where do the Lions end up? Watching them right now, I'd say 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay, Sasha, is there a worse scheduler than Nick Saban, because Alabama just played Florida State a couple weeks ago, big game, hyped up. Then they followed up with a Fresno State, and you know every year they're going to play somebody like Towson or like Alabama State. Like, is there a worse scheduler out there? No, there's not. I can't stand him. Anything he does, I can't stand. I just can't stand the, mm. the look on his face. I, I'm, I'm not an Alabama fan. I'm not a fan of them at all, so yeah, yeah. he's the worst. For, to me, like, Alabama shouldn't have any of these lower-class opponents. They should be tested every – not every week. Like, you should have one downer game. But your non-conference should be better than what it is. Does MSU win this year's tourney? If it doesn't happen this year, I don't know when it's going to happen. There's so many things that go into the tournament, like so many, so many moving parts, so many crazy things. There's a reason it's called March Madness. Uh, so it came out this past weekend and once again broke like records for horror movie box office sales. It seems like every year some movie is breaking the record. Do box office records even matter anymore? As long as there'll be inflation, no. You know, because I'm sure like back in the 70s, they're like, oh my God, this movie broke box office records like every year. Jurassic Park broke box office records. Remember Jurassic Park broke it. You know, and then, oh, my God, the Avengers, oh, my God, Pirates of the right. Caribbean, oh, my God. It's just like, Star Wars, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, we we get it, we get it. So, no, I don't think it matters. I think it's just, it's just a ploy to get you to the, to the oh, God, everybody's watching it. You know, if everybody's watching it, it must be good, you know. If it's on the Internet, it must be true type deal. So, 
Yeah, no, I don't think they matter at all. Yeah. To me, it doesn't really matter because that record is going to stand for about 10 months until the next big thing comes out. Absolutely, like Stafford's contract. All right, Joe, um, Super Bowl predictions. I like the Falcons over the Steelers. Joe, I'm going to be with you on that one because if it's not going to be New England, I think that pickup with Joe Hayden just uh, strengthens their defense a little more. Least favorite athlete. I don't knock the man for his craft. I don't knock him for what he does because the dude is probably the best at it. He's the best boxer, right? Pugilist. He's a, he's a pure boxer. But I just can't stand the man. I can't stand who he is. He, he, this guy walks around with a million dollars in the duffel. He doesn't give to like any charities that I know of. I mean, I know he's from Grand Rapids, but Flint's friggin' kids are getting poisoned and dying, and you're walking around with a million dollars in the duffel. You're Skyping troops, waving money in the Skype. Like, these guys are in Afghanistan, dude, about to catch a bullet in the head. You think they give a crap about you waving money in their face? I just, I can't stand the arrogance of it. If you're arrogant, it's one thing, and if you do something positive, is another. And he doesn't do anything too positive that I see, so that's why he's my least favorite. Floyd Money Mayweather, that is, yeah. Floyd, Floyd Money Mayweather, yeah. that is him. You are right. Hell of a boxer, undefeated. He's a champ. All those, but yeah, he's got he's got a few domestic violence uh, marks on his record too. So not a great not a great role model. But <laughs> she's for someone who has daughters. If the whole world was listening to us right now, what would you say? Oh, uh, you know, just love each other and try to work it all out and help each other. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep it up. If you all give us like 25 cents, we'll both be millionaires. So that would be great if you could all just. <laughs> right, right. You can send it by mail. It's cool. It's no problem if you want to. Everybody just. 25 cents from one per from like each person. You know, we'll be set. Right. We'll be good. Right. We'll send. We'll we'll just send like a like a dump truck around. Just everyone just toss them in there. All right. So to recap what we did, talk about MSU game, Bowling Green, and Michigan State two weeks ago. We also yep. talked about Michigan State and Western U of M game over Cincinnati the week before that. Talking about the Gators. Stupid Patriot fan. If you guys well, <laughs> go and click on that link, click on that link and watch the video, guys pretty enlightening and then we did some rapid fire questions trying something new great idea by my man sasha i was trying to think of something you know we're going to think of some more things to do you know jazz it up a little bit a little flavor to it you know but we're going to come back with you guys probably mid next week coming up in the next three four days we're going to wrap about the lions their upcoming schedule how they did we're also going to talk about the postponed game the dolphins versus tampa bay and how detrimental is it to these players and is it fair or did the nfl drop the ball were there plenty of other inland mm-hmm. football fields that they could have played in? So we could talk about uh, Michigan State football. They have a bye week this week, but they're headed down to Texas to help out with the hurricane. God bless those kids for doing that. It builds character. I love that they're doing that. Michigan faces uh, Air Force at noon next Saturday.
This past Thursday was our graduation from Specs Howard School of Media Arts, part of the great class of BMA 616. And we just wanted to congratulate our classmates and our teachers for getting us through the program. Had a, maybe the best year I've experienced in a long time. This has been a wild ride. I didn't think I'd come as far and like this as much as I did. Everybody that was in our class, shout out. I love you guys. You guys are like always number one to me. I'll always look to you guys for anything in this industry. Outside of this industry, I love you guys. Me and Joe gotta thank you guys for voting us for the awards. Me and Joe received awards as well from our peers. Joe, you wanna talk about yours? Yeah, so I was voted uh, as the winner of the Above and Beyond the Call of Duty Award or the ABCD Award. I'm very thankful to be voted because I think it shows a lot of respect for my peers. And I've just never been the type of person who ever has won award for a school thing before. So I really cherish it and I don't take it for granted. I try to go above and beyond the Call of Duty from here on out in, in all that I do. But I also want to thank the Specs teachers because, you know, they played a big part in me growing as the year went on. If you remember, I was pretty quiet when we started out, didn't really talk to anybody, but as the year progressed, I kind of came out of my shell and the teachers really helped develop, develop me in that way. So very thankful to my teachers and my classmates. I do not take it for granted. Yep, absolutely, Joe. Um, you know, I want to thank you know, our BMA 616 for voting me for the Technical Proficiency Award. That's um, pretty much the go-to for technology, technical aspects. So I'm really honored and taken back that they voted me for that. And yeah, the teachers are great. The instructors were great. And like Joe said, they were there. They kind of got me out of my shell too. I'm kind of a shy person as well. And I want to thank our career service advisors. You know, they were, they were great. They've gotten us internships. They showed us, you know, how to conduct ourselves in an interview, you know, even if it's not in the industry we're going to, how to hold ourselves, how to conduct business. They gave us ample amounts of material where we can go find jobs and grow in this industry, and they, they're there for us even after we have graduated. So Specs Howard School of Media Arts, I thank you for everything you've given me. Couldn't have asked for a better year or a better class. Part of what made our class so special was having a very special teacher for four straight marking periods, Lynn Perino, pretty renowned in the radio business. She actually kind of gave, gave us the idea of the name for this podcast, The Beards for Radio. Talking to her after school one time, she was telling me where I could improve, you know, what I can do better at, but also what I did pretty well. And that's, that's something that Lynn was very good at was when she critiqued you, like you knew what it was for and you knew that it wasn't just to be like, hey, you suck. Like you're not going to make it on radio. Like, no, she wants all of her students to make it and she always told them how they could get better um, but at the end she told me that I had a great voice for radio and I said well thank you very much and then she follows it up with and you've got a great beard for radio too when we were thinking of a name for this podcast I couldn't help but think of the beards for radio because that's what we have some people have the faces for radio we have the beards absolutely and you're right and Lynn wouldn't look at somebody and say you couldn't do it she'd look at them and say you can do it this is how you need to do it you know and mm -hmm. this is what you need to work at. So she was never, it was always positive reinforcement. It was never like, no, you're doing it wrong. You know, we've all had those teachers who were like, no, you're doing it wrong. Or no, not like this. Right. Oh, you're never going to learn. Never going to learn, Sasha. Like, Lynn was never like that. It was like, all right, this is what you're doing wrong. Like, straight up. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to get better. This is why you're not doing that. You need to do it this way. And Lynn, like I said, Joe, me, we, we love you for that. And being in our hearts. For sure. Enjoy retirement, Lynn, if you're listening. <laughs> yes, on your boat.
catch us on the next podcast. This is Beards for Radio, episode four, I believe. Eventually, we'll just lose the numbers. Beards for Radio, we're out. <laughs>